Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, uh, Martha from Alpharetta, Georgia, emailed me and said, be fair, invite Kelvin King to your show. I said I was invited every single one of the Republican candidates. Uh, we'll, we'll have all the Republican senators from Georgia uh, with me at some point uh, in the near future, I hope. Uh, we're going to work on getting those scheduled before the primary so people can hear from them. Now, we got to go to the national stuff because, holy cow, um, things are just bad, 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 bad for the Democrats. Here's Tom Bevan from Real Clear Politics putting this in perspective. Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, the Democrats are kind of stuck. <clears throat> you know, the voters have no one to blame but Democrats. They control the House, they control the Senate, they control the White House. And so as they look around themselves and, and see, you know, eight and a half percent on inflation, five dollar gas prices up at, at the grocery store, um, <clears throat> they're not feeling very good about things. And the problem that, that, that Biden has and that the Democrats have is they think it's a communication problem. Biden just said this, this the other day. People just don't they don't understand. Um, and, and that's not a winning message to insult voters and say, listen, if you just if you just weren't dumb and you, and you could just see what all the good we've done for you, um, <clears throat> that is not a message that's going to win people to the polls. And so I think they're really stuck uh, and there's no indication that things are going to be turning around. The best news for Democrats right now is the election is still six months away. There is time to to claw back and for Biden to win back some some points on his approval rating. But as of right now, they don't seem to have any sort of plan on how to do that. We in all honesty, we got to talk about this. I know going into this, I was at one point an elected Republican. I am a partisan. I am of the right. I endorsed Donald Trump in 2020. I get it. But I am just uh, profoundly amazed at what's going on with the Democrats right now. Tyler Pager uh, at the Washington Post has this story. Here's the headline. Democrats approach a midterm message, but struggle to deliver it. President Biden has stepped up his domestic travel schedule, hitting the districts of numerous vulnerable Democrats. He has resumed in-person fundraiser. And he is fine-tuning a message criticizing the GOP as an off-the-rails force that ain't your father's Republican Party. As an anxious Democratic Party hurdles toward the midterm elections, led by a president whose approval ratings have dropped precipitously, Biden is beginning to put the pieces together for an aggressive campaign to help limit Democratic losses in November, but it's an effort some in his party say is long overdue, and despite Biden's ramped-up efforts, there is no finalized comprehensive strategy for the midterms inside the White House. There's no overarching document that outlines the president's involvement in key races, nor a set message that will carry the party through November, according to multiple people familiar with the situation who spoke on the condition of anonymity to talk candidly. Even the president has acknowledged he is struggling to convey to voters what his administration has accomplished, including a COVID relief package and infrastructure bill and creating millions of jobs. There are two issues out of the gate we have to look at. One is this right here, this sentence in the second paragraph. As in fact, the second paragraph is only this sentence and the ending of it is the most important part. 
As an anxious Democratic Party hurdles toward the midterm elections led by a president whose approval ratings have dropped precipitously, Biden is, pay attention to this, pay attention, beginning to put the pieces together for an aggressive campaign to, yes, I'm clapping to make sure you understand, this is the important part, help limit Democratic losses in November. In other words, they are only now, in the end of April of 2022, beginning to put together a message not to win, but to mitigate losses. In other words, the Democrats are resigned to losses. But what's more notable here is the overall story. Notice it's always the message. When Democrats are losing, it's never the policies, it's the message. When Republicans lose, the media wants you to know it's the policies, not the message. When Democrats lose, the media wants you to think it's the message, not the policies. It's always a notable, notable shift here. The problem is, it's not the message. It is the policies that have gotten inflation, high gas prices, Biden today announcing they're rolling back Anwar development, the Alaska National Wildlife Refuge. Now, for visuals here, for those who are like, I can't believe we're doing this, the polar bear, there are no polar bears. I want you to visualize a football field. See the football field, a standard NFL-sized football field. Now, you know how small a postage stamp is? I assume. Now, some of you don't mail at all, but you've seen a postage stamp, I hope. You know how small a postage stamp is. Now, I want you to visualize placing that postage stamp on the edge of the football field, right inside the end zone. Put that postage stamp right inside the end zone. Now zoom out. You can't see that postage stamp, can you? You've got a tiny little postage stamp. It's like the period at the end of a sentence. If Anwar, the Alaska National Wildlife Refuge, were the size of that football field, the postage stamp in the end zone is the size of the land being explored for oil. And Joe Biden has said, nope, we're going to stop that now. So they're rolling back Anwar exploration at a time gas prices are this high, curbing capacity and production. That's not smart. And now look at this. Here's the polling in the morning consult polling in Nevada. He's down 11 points. In Arizona, he's down 14 points. In Wisconsin, he's down 16 points. In Georgia, he's down 11 points. In Pennsylvania, he's down 14 points. In New Hampshire, he's down 13 points. The Senate seats these days track the state polling for the president. So if Biden is down 11 in Nevada, the Democratic incumbent senator loses to Adam Laxalt, who will be a terrific senator, by the way. Adam Laxalt is the best. In Arizona, Biden's down 14 points. The Republican will probably win if they don't get a nutter. In Wisconsin, he's down 16 points. Ron Johnson probably wins re-election. In Georgia, he's down 11 points. That's why Raphael Warnock is already on TV and radio in Georgia with a plethora of ads begging people not to blame him for the problems of Washington. In Pennsylvania, Joe Biden is down 14 points. In New Hampshire, Joe Biden is down 13 points. In Pennsylvania, the Republicans probably hold that seat. 
New Hampshire, the Democrat probably loses. She loses to the generic Republican. Uh, Maggie was Hassan or Hassan up there. Uh, she keeps losing. This is uh, Joe Biden is actually underwater in 40 states. But those are the big Senate races. Joe Biden is only um, above ground in California, Washington, Illinois, Maryland, Hawaii, New York, Vermont, and Massachusetts, uh, and Delaware. He's ahead in Delaware as well. That's it. Republicans are ahead in, or Joe Biden is underwater in New Jersey. He's underwater in Connecticut. He's underwater in Maine. He, I mean, he's he's uh, bare, he's only at two net positive in Illinois. In Oregon, he's down five. Florida down eleven. This is not good. Uh, in New York, he's only up six. In Delaware, he's only up four. That's bad. That's really bad. He's even down in Colorado. He's down net three in Colorado. This is really, really bad. The Democrats realize it. And you know, if this holds up, of course, they've got 2024 problems. Now, it's too really soon to give the lay of the land there. Remember, 2010 was a disaster for Obama and the Democrats, but he still won in 2024. It's just not good, though. And now Mark Penn, one of the most famous pollsters in America, Mark Penn is sounding the alarm. Mark Penn was the pollster for Bill and Hillary Clinton. From 1995 to 2008, Mark Penn was the Democrats' pollster. He is the chairman of the well-respected Harris Poll. And he's taken to the New York Times, and he is sounding the air raid siren for the Democrats. Here's the headline from the New York Times. American voters haven't been afraid like this in a long time. In a rare convergence, American voters are not merely unhappy with their political leadership, but awash in fears about economic security, border security, international security, physical security. Without a U-turn by the Biden administration, this fear will generate a wave election like those in 1994 and 2010, setting off a chain reaction that could flip the House and the Senate to Republican control in November and ultimately the presidency in 2024. Take the economy so often the harbinger of election results. From late 2017 until the pandemic, a majority of Americans believed the economy was strong. From 2014 until the pandemic, at least a plurality believed their personal economic situation was improving. COVID-19 cut sharply into that feeling of well-being. This was initially seen as temporary, though, and trillions of dollars flowed into keeping people afloat. But then near-double-digit inflation hit consumers for the first time in 40 years. 60% of voters now see the economy as weak. 48% say their financial situation is worsening. Many Americans under 60 have relatively little experience with anything but comparatively low fuel costs, negligible interest rates, and stable prices virtually overnight. Those assumptions have been shaken. Only 35% of Americans approve of Joe Biden's handling of of inflation. Then there's the return of crime and the fear. Immigration was used effectively by President Trump as a wedge issue. National security had become less salient for most Americans compared to the Cold War and 9-11, but it's back. 
continuing to let gas prices surge will hurt Democrats. He actually favors more oil production. Mark Penn, Democratic pollster, wants more oil production. And here's the problem. It is a real problem. Democrats philosophically are opposed to doing these things. A federal judge has helped Joe Biden by saying he will stay the ending of Title 42. That's the policy that allows illegals into the country. But Democrats want Title 42 to go away. Chuck Schumer, who's always wanted to be Senate leader, is now Senate leader, will lose the Senate if Title 42 goes away, and he wants it to go away because Democrats are philosophically opposed to keeping it. They are philosophically opposed to more oil drilling. They are philosophically opposed to giving more funding to the police. They're philosophically opposed to these things. And if Joe Biden does these things, he betrays his base. And right now, the Democrats already know that the election is coming and it's doomed. This is really important for everyone listening, whether you're a Republican or Democrat, to understand. It goes back to this Washington Post piece. Joe Biden is beginning to put the pieces together for an aggressive campaign to help limit Democrat losses in November. This statement of the Washington Post is an admission against interest the Democrats already expect to lose. So how do you mitigate your losses? By mobilizing your base. You can't mobilize your base if you abandon the base. And the Democrats will abandon their base if they expand oil production, if they rapidly fund police, and if they put up a border wall. All of the things the Democrats need to do to mitigate their damage with the Democratic base and the voters All the things the Democrats need to do to mitigate their damage with the voters are things that will alienate them from the base. And they need their base right now because they know voters are already making up their minds for the GOP. They got to bring out as many Democrats as possible. So they're in the sick, sick catch 22 that they themselves have done. The Democrats painted themselves into this corner and their policies now will only make it worse. They're either going to alienate America or they're going to alienate the Democrats. And they don't want to alienate the Democrats because if they do, in 2024, you have all hell breaking loose in the Democratic primary. One of the uh, things I have noticed over the last decade or so is that when you or I have a concern and it is not shared by the media, it tends to be ignored by the press. When uh, the media shares a concern they tend to give it disproportionate coverage that often causes people to uh, become anxious about things and worry about things, needlessly so. A Colorado man who set himself on fire in front of the Supreme Court on Friday in an Earth Day protest against climate change has died, police said. The Metropolitan Police Department of Washington, D.C. said that when Bruce, 50, of Boulder, Colorado, had died on Saturday from his injuries after being airlifted to a hospital following the incident. Members of his family could not be reached immediately for comment. Uh, Kriti Kanko, a climate scientist at the Environmental Defense Fund and a Zen Buddhist priest in Boulder, said that she is a friend of Mr. Bruce and that the self-immolation was a planned act of protest. The act was not suicide, she wrote on Twitter. This is a deeply fearless act of compassion to bring attention to climate crisis. 
apparently by uh, burning himself and contributing to the carbon footprint. Um, this is deeply disturbing that we've reached this point. But it was predictable, and I have told you repeatedly this was coming. The next step will be violence. You're already starting to hear about food processing facilities being uh, mysterious arsons. Uh, Some have been over-exaggerated. Some actually aren't related to it. But there are a couple of unexplained ones. We're going to start seeing terrorist acts from environmentalists. They are becoming unhinged as the media gives disproportionate fear and worry to climate change in this country, and they will act to stop it. Railroads in this country are being sabotaged. The media is not giving it much coverage, but that too is happening. Railroad lines are being sabotaged that carry oil. Environmentalists truly have internalized we're at the tipping point, and the only way to stop it is one, protests such as this, and two, uh, radical acts to stop the advance of fossil fuels and reduce the carbon footprint of the planet. This this does not end well for any of us, and the media has stoked this fear and allowed the scientific fringe to become mainstream and stoke the fear when the reality is, yes, we may be warming, but not nearly as bad as the fear scenarios designed to get funding to this aspect. This is not going to end well for anybody. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on this here program? Um, I Y'all, we need to talk a little bit about uh, the war on police. Before I do, though, there's some breaking news I want to cover real quick. Twitter is announcing it has locked down changes to the social networking platform through Friday after accepting the $44 billion bid by Musk, making it harder for employees to make unauthorized changes. Twitter won't allow product updates unless they're business critical. The company accepted Musk's bid. Product changes will require approval from a vice president. Twitter imposed the temporary ban to keep employees who may be miffed about the deal from going rogue. I got to spend a moment on this before I get into the police uh, situation here. One of the things that I have actually noticed as a trend, and it's not really something new, it's just taking a new form. A lot of us define ourselves by our work. Men in particular, over time, uh, we don't just get defined by our families, but by our work, If particularly if we love our work. I love my job. I love to do radio. I never expected to do radio. I expected to be a lawyer. I expected to get into politics, not as an elected person, but as a campaign strategist. Never expected to do radio. I fell into radio. I literally cannot imagine a job other than this. I love this job. And it's natural. It's typical. People do that. I'm a workaholic to begin with, y'all. Um, and, and I love my job and people, people do that. But I also understand that my job is not me. And there is an increasing trend among younger millennials and Gen Zers to define themselves by their work, which is why, uh, they expect that their values will be respected in their work. Listen, uh, I, as a conservative in particular, would have an impossible time finding a business that I did not own. 
uh, where I could work and expect that business to reflect my values and talk radio. I mean, frankly, if we want to be honest about it, the parent companies of the major talk stations in this country are owned by progressives who do not like conservative talk. In fact, I am uh, some days convinced that the major radio companies in America would love to drive talk radio into the ground because they're not conservatives. They don't like it. Frankly, I think most of the major radio companies in the country are run by people who don't like radio in general. They've given up on it. Uh, they, 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 they don't like it. They don't see it as a, as a growth industry. Uh, they, they see digital media. And they, they realize they're not in a cool industry. They don't like it. Uh, but uh, I, I work for companies and, and uh, have companies that they certainly don't reflect my values. They're definitely the parent companies of most of the major radio companies are of the left. Increasingly, though, if you're on the left, you expect the company to reflect your values and you don't want to work for a company that doesn't reflect your values. Your whole self is in part defined by where you work. No, it's a job. And if nothing else, maybe these progressives who work for Twitter will finally grow up and realize that your job is not you and you are not your job. And uh, for the entirety of human history, people have had to go to work at places that may not reflect their values. It is a level of entitlement and selfishness of younger progressives in this country who think they can have the right to call the shots at their company when they're not even the managers, let alone the senior managers or the C-suite executives of their company. No, you don't get that. None of us get that. The fact that you think you get that shows what an entitled brat you are. If you don't want to work there, go find a job somewhere else. For people who don't want to be on Twitter because Elon Musk owns it, learn to code. Go build your own site. That's what you've been telling those of us on the right for years, and now you get to put your money where your mouth is and do the same freaking thing. You have no right under the Constitution or nature itself to have the company in which you are an employee reflect your values. The fact that Twitter is worried some of its employees may try to sabotage Twitter as Elon Musk buys it is a damning indictment on the mentality of the progressive employees of Twitter. It is not theirs. They do not own it. And they should never have been allowed the control Twitter gave them to purge, punish, and censor conservatives. The chickens are now coming home to roost, and I find the whole thing hilarious. It, it, this, this progressive mindset is, well, it, it's one of the many things destroying this country today. The progressive mindset also has a way of working itself into, well, the problems of this day and age when it comes to, among other things, the police. Uh, this isn't getting a lot of coverage. It should be getting a ton of coverage. That it's not getting coverage is a problem in and of itself. There is a war against the police going on in America today. There are extremists who hate the police who have bought into the idea that the police are corrupt, evil, racist, and it's having a real effect. Now, here, here's the thing. This is, this is important. Progressives like to tell us all the time that the mean things conservatives say have an impact, but they seem to want to excuse their own side. 
For a couple of years now, we've seen increased, increasingly shrill rhetoric against law enforcement in this country. According to Christopher Ray, the FBI director, there's been a 59% increase in the number of murders of police officers, 73 officers killed in 2021. Crime fighting, there's been a 29% rise in murder in the U.S. in 2020, 5,000 more people killed than the previous year. CBS News' Scott Pelley asked Christopher Ray what was behind the rise in homicide, and Ray said certainly the pandemic didn't help. There are a variety of ways in which it contributed to it. We're seeing more and more juveniles committing violent crime. That's certainly an issue. We're seeing a certain amount of gun trafficking, interstate gun trafficking. That's part of it. We're seeing an alarming frequency of some of the worst of the worst getting back out on the streets. Law enforcement officers are being killed at a rate of almost one every five days. Violence against law enforcement in this country is one of the biggest phenomena that I think doesn't get enough attention. The media has overplayed its hand when it comes to criticizing the police. Y'all, there are bad police officers in this country. I know a lot of police officers. Not a single one of them would deny that there are bad police officers in this country. But the left has now embraced the idea that uh, fundamentally law enforcement is racist. You got that Nicole Hannah Jones woman, the fabulist from the New York Times, who would have you believe that uh, law enforcement comes from the Civil War and the South and racism in this country. Actually, that's not true. It's not true at all. Um, Police in this country, policing as we know it, comes from the British system of Scotland Yard and law enforcement. It developed in urban areas in this country. The uh, Nicole Hannah Jones fabulous of the world would have you believe that policing comes from uh, the South posses going out to round up slaves who are escaping. That's not really true. But yet members of the media have believed it. They've internalized that uh, the police are a racist institution. They want to defund the police as a result. And they believe that the police uh, are a racist institution. And that is causing people to go out of their way to attack the police. Policing as we know it today comes from 1829. Robert Peel was the home minister of Britain at the time. And he created London's Metropolitan Police down from Scotland Yard. He wanted a professionalized law enforcement corps that was accountable to citizens and to the ruling class. So... Peel's patrolmen wore black jackets and had shiny badges instead of red coats like the British soldiers who previously had enforced the law. They were armed with with a billy club. Billy from Robert. They had a whistle where they could summon backup. And they worked regular patrols in neighborhoods to be seen by the citizenry to gain their trust. By the mid-1800s, every major American city, north and south, had a police corps organized after Robert Peel's reforms of 1829. In London to this day, the London police 
are called Bobbies after Robert Peel, and they're Sticks Billies uh, after William Pitt, uh, the prime minister. The Bobbies. The Bobbies with their Billy stick. Now, Americans, because we have the Second Amendment, we have an armed citizenry, the police over time, they carried guns. But it doesn't come from racists. It doesn't come from racism. It doesn't come from slave roundups. It comes from British history of the early 1800s. And yet in this country, the media has given disproportionate coverage to the racism theories of the left that are not true and not grounded in reality. And you have an entire group of people in the United States who believe the police are bad, they're corrupt, they're evil, they're murderers, and they should be stopped. And you have a war on police in this country. You have district attorneys in this country who are allowing bad guys out of prison and those bad guys who should be in prison are disproportionately the ones killing the police officers. The number of police officers killed by men who had been arrested, put in jail and released is mind boggling. And now even progressives in San Francisco are starting to realize they went too far. In San Francisco, it looks like they're on the verge of recalling their far-left uh, George Soros, literally George Soros-funded uh, district attorney whose father was a domestic terrorist. It is stunning to me that even in San Francisco, people are starting to realize that they're turning their streets into third-world hellholes by treating the police as if they're some sort of terrorist brigade. There are criticisms to be had of police in this country individually. And there are criticisms to be had in some cases of police policy and policing in this country. But those policies that deserve criticism pale in comparison to the day-to-day police work in this country where the police are putting their lives on the line to keep you and me and our neighborhoods safe. It's funny to me how the left always says right-wing rhetoric matters. They blamed back in the day Sarah Palin for that um, uh, crazy guy out in California or in Arizona, rather, in the shooting of Gabriel Giffords. But when the man, Floyd Lee Corkins, walked into the Family Research Council and tried to mass assassinate the people, oh, no, 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 it wasn't us, wasn't our fault. When James Hodgkinson attempted the mass assassination of Republican members of Congress after Democrats said that Paul Ryan and the Republicans were going to shove grandma off a cliff and kill people between tax cuts and and, uh, Obamacare repeal and net neutrality, that all these people are going to die. He tried a mass assassination. No, no, wasn't them. Wasn't, Wasn't their words. Nope. And now we have a war on police. More police. One every five days, police officers killed. And no one in the media wants to tie that to radical leftist defund the police rhetoric when that has everything to do with it they have inspired a group of angry radicals to try to kill police officers and no one in the media will ever indict themselves or question maybe we push too much propaganda against the police the police in this country deserve our respect yes there are some bad police officers in this country but they are the minority not the majority And the majority need us to have their back as they keep us safe every day. 
One of the companies that's out there funding the causes of the police and the first responders is Patriot Mobile. They actually take a portion of their profits and give it to the First Amendment cause, the Second Amendment cause, the pro-life cause, the veteran cause, the First Amendment cause, or the, the first responder cause, rather. They have the backs of the police with their profits. They give to charitable endeavors that help the police. You, by being a customer of Patriot Mobile, increase their profits, thereby increasing the money they go to these causes. It's a win-win for you, and you get great service. I mean, they use the same cell towers everybody else uses. So if you go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, in addition to getting free activation with my name and being able to port over your existing phone number, you get a, to work with a great company that shares your values. They're Christians, they're conservatives, Patriot Mobile, they're a great group of people. You get incredible discounts for working with them. They give a portion of their profits to the causes you care about. It's a win-win. You advance the conservative movement just by taking your cell phone business to Patriot Mobile. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. You can also call them. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service, 972-PATRIOT. Howdy. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. This is kind of the most interesting, intriguing thing to me uh, as I wonder how bad the Democrats really are at this stuff. Um, uh, John Kerry on Thursday put natural gas on notice saying the world's reliance on the fossil fuels should be limited to potentially a decade unless its greenhouse gas emissions are fully captured. Though natural gas burns cleaner than coal when used to generate electricity, it should not be part of long-term climate strategy without emission control technology, Kerry said in an interview with Bloomberg Television. Um, how are these people not serious about this? You know, there actually was a discussion. Joe Biden said he wanted to make our tanks solar powered. This is the the the, the climate friendly. No, I'm sorry. It was NATO's chief said solar powered tanks. Biden said this. One of the things I've found out as the president of the United States, I get to spend a lot of that money. I get to decide where. No, I'm not joking. And we're going to completely, by before, we're going to start the process where every vehicle in the United States military, every vehicle is going to be climate friendly. Every vehicle. We're going to have a, no, I mean it. We're spending billions of dollars to do it. And, uh, and it's going to matter. You know, it matters. You know, in my view, this crisis is, I said, is a, a genuine opportunity. An opportunity to do things we wanted to do and only now it becomes so apparent. You can't convert every vehicle to a battery. First of all, there's not enough lithium. I mean, you, you got practical issues here. Uh, the practical concerns in place, there just isn't enough available materials for it. There is enough gas right now. You can't convert planes and all your or your helicopters for the military and all of your tanks to batteries. You just you can't build a tank with enough of a lithium uh, battery in it to run it for long. The technology's not there. These people are living in fantasy land. Natural gas at this moment as well works as a better replacement. What's worse? You want to keep the coal or allow the natural gas? 
You don't have the battery technology yet. You don't have any of this. I actually want to talk about this issue a little more. When we come back, I want to shift gears a little bit. Uh, but first, when we come back, I I think it's time to give you guys some needed perspective because I think people are starting to lose perspective as, as this persecution complex grows on the right. I've actually got the data for you on where we are as a nation. And you would be hard pressed, I think, for most people to realize just how bad it is for the left right now in America. They seem to be so dominant. And I really do think it is a lot because of the disproportionate nature of people on social media. Uh, the more you're on social media as a conservative, the more you think the left is dominant everywhere. When you look at the actual data in America right now, it's really bad to be a Democrat these days, and it's really, really bad to be a progressive these days. Let me give you the numbers when we come back, and maybe you can calm down a little bit.